Hi, Tina. Hey, Lisa. And welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Body Love Construct, where we have intelligent, opinion-based conversations around reconstructing the generational conditioning that has influenced Black women's narratives about themselves. Through our discussions, we hope you find something that gets you to thinking about the stories you formed about yourself and determine if perhaps it's time to rethink a few things. Okay, so today's topic is things our mother never told us. Or maybe told us. That's also possible. That's a possibility. What, do you have anything that like jumps out at you, stuff that your mother... Uh, or maybe but stuff that your mother told you that you, you know. Let me see. Let me think right quick. Does she think so? Oh, okay. So this is going to be a little crazy sounding, but. <laughs> I think all these might sound crazy at the beginning. <laughs> Beware, everybody. It's going to be crazy. So when I was in like the third or fourth grade, my breast started to develop. Now, we did have health in school and all that stuff. And I think she did talk to us about things, but there's one little little detail that she left out was that my breast would be tender and so in the classroom a lot and scooting up to the table would bump my breast and it hurt so bad it was excruciating and I thought that I had cancer oh wow and I was I was scared but I didn't want to tell anybody because I was like oh my gosh how you just tell somebody think I have breast cancer when you're like eight years old Right. They don't even know. I don't know if people, well, maybe now they know what breast cancer is, but. Yeah, but nobody told me that. I don't, I've never even seen that written. Any, nobody says that. I just thought something was wrong with me and I was just doomed. I know my mother, I don't even remember breast service, but it was something I discovered when I was getting older that my pubic hairs were and I'm like, okay, what 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 is going on down there? As my breast was falling south, to look at that gray hair. As the thing about the breast, you know, these things. I'm like, why didn't you warn me that my body was going to change? All these drastic ways that I wasn't prepared for. You know, yeah. and talking to my girlfriends, we we sort of started talking about things together. I I, I remember learning how to squat over the public bathroom to urinate. Mm -hmm. And then one day it did not go into the toilet. It went onto my pants. And I, you know, didn't want to share that with my friends. But one day we were talking and it had happened to a whole bunch of us, a whole bunch of us. And we were just falling out laughing because nobody said, you, we got taught how to make sure not to sit on the toilet yeah. seat. Because back in the day, they didn't have those papers you spread right. on. So you had to learn how to squat. Mm -hmm. And so to find out that this was going to change direction, you know, once you got older, it was just real cute. When you're having to like, try to, you know, sop up your pant leg. <laughs> Crazy. I thought that just happened for people who get a bikini wax. Because if, mm. if you get a Brazilian, mm -hmm. things just go terribly awry. Try to squat. Oh really? Enlighten me, please. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand. I don't really understand the science of it, mm -hmm. but it's the same thing. If you know, when I I get a 
Brazilian, I ha- I know already to mm-hmm. wipe first. Mm. So I won't have some craziness going on. Wow. Now, my mom would never have told me that because I seriously doubt that she was out here doing that. Right. <laughs> I think that there's all kinds of things that are our mothers never told us or like we said, maybe told you and you didn't listen to like, you know, hanging out with people you shouldn't be, even though I mean, I, I def- my, both my parents told me not to do certain things. I definitely did them. But what's the, what we're leading up to today with some of that funness at the beginning is about storytelling and, and the term storytelling. And one thing that my mom said is not to tell stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. Telling stories. We didn't, we weren't allowed to say the word lies. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure why that was a bad word, but it was stories. Don't tell stories. She's telling a story. Right. Yeah, you're right. I, I don't think we could use the term lie either, but it was the storytelling. Mm-hmm. Don't don't tell stories or you shouldn't tell stories. And that was like a real taboo thing is to not tell these stories until I got older and understood that storytelling is not necessarily mean telling a lie. In our culture, and in other cultures too, but in our culture it's called griots, but that storytelling and telling stories was something that generations passed down. Right. Like there were stories to tell mm-hmm. that were to be passed down. And how that affects us in our culture, in particular, stories that were coming even back from the book times in the to present day. Right. And, and these are things that I don't, feel that my mother necessarily was even keyed in on the backstory of, of what storytelling really meant and on the other meanings of that. It just had that one specific thing mm-hmm. not to lie. Right. Right. That, that's really interesting because my grandmother told me a story before that hit both of those definitions of story. Mm. So I, I hate beats. Everybody who knows me knows I cannot eat beets. That's just like the worst food on the planet. Like, I don't even understand how they figured out that it was edible. But (laughs) beets are something that I could never eat. And so I was at my grandmother's house and sometimes she would make beets for dinner. And I just actually, I cannot swallow a beet. It it will make me gag. I've never swallowed any beets because I just can't. But so I used to sit there at the table all night long looking at the beets until somebody said, okay, go away kind of like that mommy dearest movie (laughs) but my actually she didn't tell the story my grandfather told the story let me correct that so he came sometimes and he would eat the beets off my plate Mm -hmm. and set me free Mm -hmm. so he sat down he told me this story that he was in the army and they were starving because they had food rations and they came upon a rail car and in the rail car was a can of beets and some stale, <laughs> some stale biscuits. And he and his friend who he was with somehow opened that can of beets. And he hated beets too. This was the thing. He hated beets. But because he was so hungry, he ate those beets so fast and he sopped it up with those stale biscuits. It was the best thing ever. And first of all, I, there's so many questions with holes with that, you mm-hmm. know, that I didn't pick up on as a little kid but I thought that was true until his funeral 
Oh, wow. I'm an adult. And I told my grandmother, yeah, you know, he told me about the beats and the rail car and the army. And she looked at me and she said he was <laughs> never in the army. <laughs> he actually was in the army, but I think he had a, a discharge or something for his vision or something. Like he was never in the war. He was never right. in any war. He, right. So this whole story was a fabrication about beets, I guess, in, in the hopes that I would start to eat beets, but that didn't. It failed. <laughs> well, I think, you know, storytelling, again, looking at all the sort of mixed meanings of what that means or telling a story and telling a story, storytelling is that there is a beauty and it is an art form mm -hmm. in the sense that you can be creative and tell something. So that's a story that he made up for a child. Yeah. And it was fun. And it really, and yes, we grew up believing that. Mm -hmm. But that's something to me when I hear you say that, it, this personal connection that you have mm -hmm. him, based on this story, because your face lights up when you tell it. Mm -hmm. So it means something to you. And so even though, you know, it's not a true story, it's a story mm -hmm. to be told. It is a creative story. And that's what we do. Some of the, things, the stories that we tell or create, some of it is based on facts, some of it is fiction. And then, and I guess there's the understanding of, you know, where is the line between the two? And when are you going to be lying versus just creating a story? I think there are times when we certainly we're trying to surprise somebody from a surprise party. So we are very creative in the stories or lies we leave. <laughs> to, you know, get that person to the event without them knowing about it. So there's times I learned as I got older when it's okay to craft a story mm -hmm. for good purposes or maybe even tell a story to spare someone's feeling. I think learning how to tell stories as opposed to not tell stories or when to tell story quote little white lie or lie mm -hmm. we grow older and figure that out it's when you grow older and don't figure that out and use that as your mechanism of being a person and moving throughout the world by creating stories and fabric fabricating stories about who you are and what you've come from and that sort of thing and thinking about our purpose with the podcast and with body love construct is coming to terms with the stories that we've told ourselves whether they really are based in truth or not and the ones that are not based in truth how do we i i, I always want to think about when i say changing the narrative what that really means doesn't mean that something didn't happen. It just means that you are going to interpret that in a way so that you can move forward. I think we've gotten caught up, or people have gotten very caught up in this changing the narrative, or I'm changing my story, and think that you can just change everything about you. You really can't do that. And I think for a while, I have to say, when I was teaching workshops years ago, I think I got caught into that. You can, you can change your narrative. You can, you know, rewrite your story. Well, you can rewrite your story as long as it's steeped in the truth that it's based on. Mm -hmm. You can't change anything that, that happened. It has happened. It is part of your story mm -hmm. to try to tell your story in a way 
that's truthful. You may not want to tell that part of it, but you certainly can't negate that within yourself or you're really not living the truth. Right. And I look at it this way. You, the story must be somehow attached to fact. And then you can choose the perspective that you see those facts. And you can also choose which facts you choose, you decide to highlight and which mm-hmm. ones you prefer to downplay. Right. And that kind of comes from my background as being trained as lawyer. Mm-hmm. You don't just come out and just tell everything. Right. You choose what is going to be beneficial. And, and when you're talking about individuals and, and women, you know, for themselves, what is going to be beneficial to where you are and where you want to go? And that means that you need to alter that perspective of your story so that you can either leave certain parts behind or, or actually even highlight and build parts up, your, mm-hmm. your strength, your resilience, things like that that you want to take from your past and bring forward. Yeah. I think when people hear us use the terminology or read on the website, the reconstructing, we're not suggesting that you can start this new whole thing that has nothing to do with who you are, what your past is. Everything has got to be steep in what has gone before you. But you can put that behind you. Certainly people have done so, particularly you know, when the whole Me Too movement came out, people had been hiding stories for a long time. Mm-hmm. Women had been keeping secrets and not letting stuff come forward. But in order for them to move forward, they finally were speaking aloud the truth. They were not saying, this never happened to me. What they were doing is reconstructing the forward so that they could move forward. Right. And that reconstruction may have come in the form of realizing that they were not at fault right they may have been told before that or even has been implied that they were at fault somehow for different abuses that happened to them reconstructing the narrative means okay this was not my fault this was none of my doing and therefore i can leave it behind and move forward yeah i think the words again when i think about even what went went on with me too and i'm just gonna broaden that a little think about when, you, when children are told not to tell stories, sometimes they may not even hear that word story. Don't tell. Oh. And so it, they're not telling. So people, and people have grown up suppressing things that have happened to them because don't tell or don't tell a story. And, and again, hearing the words don't tell a story, depending on how you hear it, don't tell a story meaning not necessarily a lie, but a story, period. You know, I think there's a, I I just thought about this whole thing about truth-telling and telling stories and how many ways these things can be interpreted. And you and I have talked about the fact that we don't like cliche kinds of things. And we do fall into this messaging, as we've probably talked about before, where you just fall into it and you just go forward and it's like, okay, wait a minute. (laughs) Let's take a look at, the words that we use and the paths that we take based on those words. And this was just one of them that's come up with us talking about our lives. My mommy said not to tell stories. You know, what's interesting is I've never said that to my daughter. We use the word lies. Hmm. If it was a lie. That's just one of those things that I questioned and not 
not as deeply as we are questioning it right now, but it just didn't make sense. The word wasn't the right word for me. So I never told her things like don't tell stories. I was like, you know, well, I didn't actually say don't tell a lie, but I didn't use that word stories that way at all. I think lie can be a harsh word. We were talking just as we started talking about this at the beginning about neither one of our families really used that word lie when we were coming up. And I wonder, and I think about, I have heard it, and I have been accused of lying as I got older, and how harsh that word, mm-hmm. that word is. It just really can get inside of you and, and do something. So saying that to a child, it can be really detrimental. Yeah, if you say you're, don't, you know, something about lying, it turns you into a liar, and that's and that's a label. Yeah, that's harsh. I would never say that. That's a label. I think you're thinking about, you know, just as you said that, I hadn't even thought about words and how something as an action can be turned into a label mm-hmm. <laughs> and how detrimental the label becomes. The accusation might be harmful, but when you're labeled, it's almost like now I'm branded. Right. Right. The accusation can be denied or affirmed, but if I say you are a liar, then that's a brand. Mm-hmm. And that can be, wow. It's so funny when we're talking, things just come up. You know, sometimes we, it just goes and you go into different places. And I just say, just listening to that, it's, I can remember other families that I knew growing up and the harsh words that were spoken to them and how that affected them as a child whether or not the person was intimidating to them or interrogating them. I was reading about these different ways that we develop as people and and how it is in our families and who the players are in the family, an interrogator and and someone who's intimidating and someone who's sort of shyer and aloof and not doing, sort of playing back and allowing the, the play of all these things to happen in the family. When you have somebody who's intimidating, you become aloof if you don't want to challenge that. Right. And and then you do one of the, and it was saying that people started to create stories in order to be in defense of themselves, mm-hmm. the, to be able to manage and to cope. Right. And I think storytelling and telling a story when you're trying to cope is even just a whole nother thing together. But I don't think we, can get into that today. We need a couple hours for that. So, <laughs> any last thoughts on that? Well, no, that that pretty much sums it up for storytelling, and it it actually is a really good thing. I don't think that I've ever heard anybody else express that we need to change our narratives or that it was very kind of danced around, mm-hmm. but never actually to the point. We need to be able to control our own narratives. Right. I have actually heard that until we said it. That's because in a family, as in the times that we were growing up in before, it was sort of a controlled narrative. You know, you couldn't tell certain things. Don't tell anybody this. Oh, actually, you didn't really talk about your personal life or anything personal going on in your home. You did not go out in the street and talk. Oh, no. 
And you basically, we didn't even go to a therapist. So nobody was talking about it. You kept that to yourself. So there's so many stories that are buried and our narratives have become so confused mm-hmm. over time because we're hiding. Like we're not telling a story, mm-hmm. meaning we're not lying. And we're not telling a story, meaning we're not talking about truth either. Right. And so we've been conditioned to do that and to be secret. You think about, you know, enslavement. They had to be quiet. You couldn't tell. If it was time to try to escape, there was a methodology in how that went about mm-hmm. where stories were created to understand where to meet. Mm-hmm. You know, all kinds of things. Right. So we've been telling stories in a good way and in a way to be safe in a way to make our way to a better life. And I say, you know, goody for those stories. Right. Because that's got us to where we are. Stories are a good thing. They certainly are. As long as they're positive and productive or not really harming someone in a real real negative way, we need stories. We need to tell stories. And we need to be creative storytelling as well. Right. We need to be like the griots. We need to pass along positivity and stories that are in our families or stories that we'd like to put into our family. We have that freedom to do so. Right. All right. Well, generational love is like generational wealth. We got to pass it on. All right. Until next time. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye.